0: Welcome to the Live Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. All right. Is this thing on? Cool. I was getting ready for this and uh, I was talking to, to Al and I realized I still didn't have my wireless mic on, so I was scrambling. I was scrambling. So, um, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Pretty good? Cool. So, um, it's great to see you guys this morning behind a different object. It's usually a guitar. So, you know, it's, but it's good because I always get to hide behind something. So, it works out. So, Randy and Tina, they're on vacation uh, for the next couple weeks, so I get the privilege of continuing our talk about how Jesus, no matter what we're going through, Uh, he's not only there with us right now, but he's also been there, and he understands us because he's been there. He's been through it all, and we can trust him. So I just wanna start out by reading Hebrews 4, verse 15 through 16. All right. Uh, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. So, I like that verse, it's a good one. So this scripture right here is saying, when we are needy, not if, right, but when, I don't know if, I don't know about you, but I'm needy. I really am needy. I love that song that we just sang. My God, my God, I need you, I need you now. That's like 24 seven for me. But I'm needy, right, so this verse says, not if you're needy, but when we are needy. And so that's me all the time. That's, that's a lot of us in this room all the time. And it goes on to say that we're not alone, and we don't just have anybody. We don't just have anybody, right? We don't have some vague Google article that may or may not pertain to us. Have You ever done that? You ever use Google for life answers? I do, all the time. Why is my hair thinning? You know, uh, my right shoulder, like we try to get as like specific as possible, thinking like, I'm gonna get an answer. Like My right shoulder and neck is numb. I've got shooting pain in my right arm, pain in my fingers, right, and um, sometimes, sometimes they're just kind of honest. If you ever go to Google and you start to type in something, it'll show you what other people have typed in. Uh, How do I change? How do I grieve? How long does it take to get over a breakup? And so, you know, we do this, right? We, we, we try to Google some stuff and we get these vague answers about like, well, it could be this, try this, stand on your head, you know, go to this person. Uh, I think it's Answers or like Quora, sorry, I keep on messing with this. Quora, I think it's the worst one where it's just like, you just give your opinion. Like there's a question there and like it's just anybody you know, it's like Joe Skipper out there, just like, I don't know, you know, try eating it. If it makes you sick, it's poisonous. It just, um, so but we don't, we don't have that, you know, we, we get Jesus. We don't get Dr. Phil, the bald-headed, tough-talking wonder, I love Dr. Phil. He's got some good stuff to say, he's pretty wise, but uh, he doesn't understand everything. We get Jesus, we get the Son of God, we get the King of Heaven, that not only created us, but he came down and he subjected himself to all the weaknesses of being a human. And then he was victorious. That's, that's what this verse is saying we get. We don't get just anybody. We get Jesus, who can sympathize with our weakness, who's been through everything just as we have been through everything. And he was victorious. So, because of this, we can approach him and we can approach him expecting to receive mercy and the power of his grace to help us in our neediness, to help us when we're needy, which is all the time. We can boldly come to him. We can expect that we're gonna get help when we come to him. Um, And so, but real quick, I don't wanna brush over these two powerful things that God promises us. So it's mercy and grace. So mercy, mercy is not getting what we deserve. What, What do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve separation. We deserve being pushed out and just being separated from God. But we don't get that. We don't get what we deserve. And then grace is getting all the power and the favor Jesus gets. So mercy is not getting what we deserve, and then grace is getting more than we could ever deserve. More favor, more power, love, acceptance, all those things, we get those things. And so we can approach boldly. So in Hebrews 4, this is essentially what God's saying to us come and get what you need from me. I'm here, for real, I'm here. Come and get what you need from me. So, that's why we're going through this series, been there, because Jesus has been there. So, there's another verse that that also confirms this, and I love this about, so the word says, the Bible says that um, testimony is confirmed by two or more witnesses, and so it's, it's, really cool that when you go through the Bible, you can look through and God confirms his word over and over. So here's another place that God confirms uh, this same thing. It's Second Peter chapter 1, verse three. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So he's, he's pretty much saying this again We've got everything we need for living a godly life. So what is a godly life, what is that? Well, that's living our life like Jesus. Living our life like Jesus would. And then we receive all that, we receive everything we need to actually walk that out by coming to know him, the one who's been through it all, the one who has been victorious. And it's not by being better, trying harder, Googling answers. Um, it's not because we've got even what it takes in ourselves, but it's by coming to him over and over and over. It's that when you need, right, we're always needy. We always need to be coming to him over and over and over. He doesn't get tired of us. He gives us all of this freely. So we're victorious and we overcome by running to him, seeking him, getting to know Jesus better. Because it's a tough thing to ask us to do. I don't know about you, but... You know, asking me to live my life like Jesus? I mean, that's a tall order. But the good news is that God never calls us to live out something that he hasn't equipped us to do. He's equipped us to do this, all right? And he's doing it through the power of Jesus, amen? So today, we're gonna specifically talk about temptation. Um, so, surprise, right? I feel like I'm always talking about that. Um <laughs> So let's define temptation real quick. Temptation is anything that promises a satisfaction at the cost of your obedience to God. So temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of your obedience to God. So don't raise your hand but have y'all ever had something in your life, you know that you needed to quit, and you just kind of quit it for a minute, and then you go back to it, right? I'll raise my hand for you. Uh, it could be frustrating, because, you know, when we become a Christian, there's, act, there's some things that change immediately in our life that we're just, like, automatically free of. Maybe it's anger or, or you know, worry, because you just feel like, maybe it's uh, anxiety goes away because you're just like, I've got a God who loves me. There's some things that, that God transforms and just takes away when we become Christians. Um, but this is frustrating, because then there's stuff that holds on, and there's, there's other stuff that it's just hard to change, and it just, it's hard to get rid of. It's stuff you keep on falling into the temptation and falling into sin over. You know, maybe it's porn, struggles with lust. Some of you have heard my story before, or a bunch of times, and if you ever wanna talk about that, I'm an open book. Um, but for, for some of us, it's lying. You know, I was pretty good at that, too, um, embellishing situations to make yourself look better or like make yourself not look so bad. Um, it could be eating for some of us in this room. Maybe you're overeating all the time. Uh, you use food to soothe yourself and it's where you run for comfort, but you know that needs to stop, that needs to change. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's watching our tongue, you know, maybe not talking so much crap about people, uh, not being so critical. It could be cussing for some of us. Still working on that one. Uh, it could also be something that you know Jesus is pushing you to do, but it's just easier not to do that thing. Um, maybe it's an unhealthy group of friends you need to make a break with, um, but it's just so easy to get back with them because like, they know you the best, and it's just easy. It's kind of just, you just fall back into that because their validation and their comfort, you just don't remember a time when you weren't their friend, and you didn't enjoy their company, but you know they're not healthy for you, and you just gotta make a break. Um, for some of us, it's that the Lord wants us to submit our finances to him, you know, maybe that's through tithing, or being generous, or just, just not buying stuff we don't need, maybe you're just like dying in debt, but you just can't stop buying stuff. Um, and then we make deals with God, too. Like Lord, if you make it easier for me, then I won't do this or that. Um, Lord, if you want me to stop overspending, just make sure there's no sales around me, okay? <laughs> you know, because if it's on sale, then I'll then I'll know it's in your will for me to spend it. Um, Lord, if it's your will for me to start tithing or giving, I need you to give me this amount extra. Um, I'm not going to continue to see him or her, Lord if you make sure they just don't call me back when I text them, you know? If they don't text back, then I'll know, Lord. But, so, you know, we've all done this, all of us. We've all, we've all done this kind of stuff. We've played this, this game, this negative kind of like reasoning justification. And we've all failed in the test of temptation in some way. And we've given in. So what do we do about it? Because temptation, it sucks. It's tough. How do we deal with it? And then, like, why? Why do we even have to deal with it? You know, I don't know, I've I've said this a lot, Lord, why don't you just take away my desire to do all those things that aren't pleasing to you? Like, just just take it away, you know? You don't want me to do it, so just like, make me not do it. Um, But God's plan's bigger than that. God's plan's for us to overcome these temptations and to actually choose him instead. And the good news is that as hard as that is for us, he wants to be our strength, And he wants to give us a way out, too. He wants to do this. He's not like, God, Tim. No, he wants to be our strength. He wants to give us a way out. So here's one of the things that the Bible has to say about temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Um, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So we're all experiencing this, all right? So turn to your neighbor and be like, yeah, you're not alone. It goes on to say, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So he's not setting us up for failure. We can lean on him because we can trust what he says. And we can trust what he said because Jesus has been there and he's been victorious. He's, he's laid out the example. It's like, you can do this. And I'm gonna empower you to do this. I'm gonna give you a way out. So let's read about the temptation of Jesus, um, so this is Matthew four, verse one through two. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he became hungry. Wow, man, that's some detective work there. <laughs> had to do a lot of studying to figure that out. He's hungry. Thanks, Matthew. No, no, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you put that in there because. Yes, it's obvious that after 40 days, you're gonna be hungry. But it was Matthew saying, he's a real person. Jesus isn't some holy robot, you know? He, he let himself be hungry. He submitted to the feeling of hunger. He let himself completely and totally become human in the flesh. That's good. Another thing I wanna look at here, the temptation was God's idea. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? That was God's idea. I kind of read that differently. And I was like, what the? What are you playing at, God? So God allowed this temptation of Jesus, sent him to endure temptation. Why? Because God was demonstrating Jesus' power over the devil because I kind of see it playing out like this. You know, the devil kind of, he knows what the plan is. He's a pretty smart guy. And he's like, hey, God, if you make Jesus, just like any other man, presented, present him with being weak, pain, hunger, and thirst, I promise you, he's gonna choose to meet his needs over obeying you. And that's, that's, what, that's what the enemy does with us all the time. He's like, just take that away. You're just protecting him. He's gonna choose, he's gonna choose to meet his needs over obeying you, any chance he gets. And so God was on the offensive with this. And he was like, you know what? I'm gonna send Jesus to be tempted. And so God's like, hey, try him. And and through this, God legitimizes Jesus as the expert that we can run to in our time of need. So now we can look at Jesus and like, what do we do when we're tempted? We're gonna run to Jesus because he knows what it's like. So God was like, okay, go ahead, try him. And then, after he wins, all of my children are gonna look at him to see how to get over your tactics, devil. So he basically uses this as a way to give the devil a black eye. and he said, he's gonna choose me. He's gonna choose to rely on me. He's gonna be committed to me over any hunger, anything you have to offer him, Satan. So. It's just kinda, you know, it's just kinda crazy. Like I, I read that differently for the first time this week. It's like, man, this is God's idea. So the Bible says in Psalm eight, verse four and five, that God made us a little lower than angels. And I was just thinking about this, that we, the Bible tells us we're lower beings than angels. And Satan is a fallen angel. And so when you really think about it, there's no doubt, because we all know ourselves, that there's powers and authorities that we don't see in the spiritual realm, and angels that have way more power and strength than any of us humans and that will ever have. But God wants to use us. Through us, he wants to declare to heaven and eternity and all the powers and principalities that he can do more with the lower beings like us, broken people like us that are committed to him than any power that wants to raise itself up against God. He wants to use us to declare how powerful being committed, being surrendered, a life surrendered to Jesus is. No matter how big, no matter how powerful those other powers may be. So, you know, God is using temptation in our process of overcoming it to testify about who he is and what he's gonna do in our life. So temptation, while it sucks, reveals our weaknesses, it gives us an opportunity to demonstrate this truth, that greater is he that is in me Than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you and I than he who is in the world. So, this is why temptation is still around. This is kind of the answer to the question. like, why do we still deal with this? God wants to use this. Like, the devil wants to take temptation and use it as a tool to pull us down, just to hamstring us. But God wants to use it in our lives to prove that Jesus reigns. Amen? It's kind of like, oh, well, not the answer I was looking for. But it's good, it's good, God wants to use that to do way more than we can ask or imagine in those areas that we struggle. So I wanna look at how temptation works because it is a process. We've gotta acknowledge that it's, it's a process and if we want to overcome, we've gotta acknowledge that it's a process, that we don't just accidentally, oh, I'm in sin, you know? Oh, I just, you know, fell there. It's a process and we get there a certain way. Um, and if we can acknowledge and recognize this a process, we can partner with God and overcome instead of just letting sin and shame walk all over us. Because that's the enemy's strategy. He's, he's saved, God saved us. Jesus has saved us, we are his. Satan can't come and undo his salvation. Um, but what he can do is use sin and shame to walk all over us and keep us distracted, and keep us from the great things God's called us to do. We can stay marginal Christians, just like, woe is me, I'm never gonna be good enough. Just gotta make it to heaven. That's, that's where he wants us to stay. But God wants us to overcome. So, his only, his only strategy, Satan's only distra- strategy is to keep us distracted. And he'll do that as long as we'll let him. So, that's why God wants us to overcome and move forward. So. I wanna make something clear though about temptation. Being tempted itself is not a sin. Just because just you're being tempted doesn't mean that you've sinned. It's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity that presents itself. And it's what you do with that opportunity and how far down you follow that opportunity is that's what leads you to sin. So it's a process, temptation to sin. The first, the first step of this process is opportunity or thought. So the opportunity or thought presents itself, right? We can actually see it right here in this passage about Jesus being tempted. And in Matthew uh, chapter four, verse two, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And verse three says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So, Here's the opportunity. Here's the window. And Satan shows up and says, hey man, you're hungry. So temptation often is, it's presented with truth to it. The enemy always presents temptation to seem like it's like legit. The truth is is that Jesus is hungry, right? And the enemy shows up and he's like, hey, you're hungry. He presents temptation in this way to seem like he's legit, like he's looking out for you. He's like, hey, just a friend, just notice something. You're a little hungry, you know? You're a little tired, you're a little fed up. And it's true. But how many of us know that like the best lies, the best deception is not just a full out lie, but it's like lies mixed with truth, right? It makes it easier to kinda take and swallow. You're hungry, you're fed up, you're lonely. They don't appreciate you. Money's tight, she is pretty. Your car is not new. These are all true statements. And the enemy tries to use these mixed with truth to get you to go to the next step. So the next step usually goes like this. You imagine fulfilling that desire, right? So the temptation's coming and it's talking to you. And the next step is, You imagine fulfilling that desire. Yeah, you're right, that sure does look good. I could use about five more donuts. Um, She really is pretty. That car would be better than the one that I have now. I would be less worried about money if I just didn't give this an offering. So you entertain that idea. You imagine fulfilling that, that, that desire and you entertain that idea. So that's, we'll call this step entertainment, right? So now, it's real easy to get, get here. It's real easy because all it, all it takes is just like, yeah, you know what, I, I am tired, I am hungry. That does look good. And it's, it's easy to, to actually stay here because you feel like, you know, I really haven't done anything yet. I'm just thinking about it. But this is where we lose the most ground. Because we allow the temptation and the opportunity to grow here. And it grows and it grows. It's almost like you know, a ball on a hill. And if it's back here and the hill's here, it's fine. But as we, as we imagine, as we entertain that idea, we get closer and closer to the edge to where it's like full momentum and we can't go back. So this is, this is the step where it grows. And so we, we, gotta, we gotta watch ourselves. We just gotta not go there. So after that comes the justification step. We start thinking, you know, if you're, you struggle with just being angry and going off on people, you just start thinking like, you know what? They are stupid. I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. They are asking for it. It's not my fault they're such a moron. You know, you just start, you start justifying it to yourself. I deserve this shopping trip. I'm worth it. I'm worth it, it's a must. Um, I never feel this heard when I'm with my spouse. No one at home is excited about me anyways. If they didn't wanna be looked at, they wouldn't dress that way. They're just putting it out there. We're justifying. I deserve a break, I'm tired. So we justify and all we're doing is we're just opening that door even wider, even wider. So then we end up making the choice. This is the last step where we make the jump to put into action what we've been entertaining and justifying, because now it's there. Now it's there. And now I've got a good reason to do it. So we've taken a small opportunity, the thought, and then we've widened the doorway. It's like, have you ever watched those HDTV shows um, where they just go in and they're like, yeah, you know, um, there's a little, there's a, there's a small window here and what I wanna do is I wanna just take this whole wall out completely and let's put in bifold doors and this is gonna open up to my front yard because I just, I just need the view. It's kind of like that. It's like we take this small little window and we're just like, you know what? Just take that wall out, take this wall out, take that pillar out and now you've got this gaping wide opportunity and we're kind of almost like, well, you know, it's like I'm not gonna do it. But you know, and then and then when we fall over the edge, we're like, ah, "Whoops, man! How did I get here?" And then we find ourselves doing the things we didn't. But we we tell ourselves, "We're like, I did. I don't know how I did it again. I don't know how I did it again." But there was a process. And then we're we're sitting there and we're ashamed. Usually, we feel worse than we did before. We're more hurt than we were before. Uh, sometimes we're now living with permanent consequences. But the good news is, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to be defined by our failures and our shame, and it's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can receive mercy. Remember Hebrews 4.15, we can receive mercy in our time of need, and we can get up and walk again. He's atoned for us completely and totally. We're received completely and totally. He loves us, but you know, he loves us too much for us to just stay here and keep doing this cycle over and over. He wants victory, he wants more for us. He's going to forgive us, but he wants more for us. So, James outlines this process in chapter 1, verse 13. It's kind of the same process, you can see it working. He's acknowledging the struggle too with temptation, and he even addresses the question of, why temptation is even a thing, and like, is God the one doing this? So, let's read it. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not attempt tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust or desires. Then when those desires have conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So, it's a process, and I want to re- I want to revisit this whole idea of you know why we deal with temptation and why God's allowing it to happen. We looked at the process, and I want to get with with some application. I want to get to that, but I just want to look at what this says about us and our relationship to God and what this says about God. So James is saying that God's not tempting us, but he is allowing it. And those desires that are still in us, are that's what's responding to the temptation in a negative way. And so it's really frustrating when you're, when you're struggling because sometimes it's like, you know, even if you're doing good, and just the fact that the temptation is there It's like, God, it's still there. Sometimes it just reveals that we're just not where we thought we were with things. It's still there, I'm just so broken. I can't believe I'm still struggling with this. Sometimes you're like, man, I just, I actually forgot how weak I was in this area. And we get so upset and frustrated with our brokenness. I mean, I I hate my brokenness, I do. I don't know if you've ever talked to God like this, like, Lord, why did you make me like this? Why is this so difficult for me? Why are those things still in my heart? Why am I, am I any different, you know? I'm still struggling with the same things. And sometimes, some of us in this room, we've we've said, like, just move on, God. I'm just gonna be a disappointment. I'm never gonna get over this. I'm only ever gonna be a disappointment to you. I just, I'll do good just to make it into heaven and just, Thank you for forgiving me for all my mess ups. We're not comfortable with our brokenness. It's hard, and we're ashamed of it. And honestly, like, we're not really comfortable with other people's brokenness. Um, you know, we want, we love a redemption story, as long as it's presented, and it's in the past, right? We love, we love the redemption story, as long as it's over, and the happy ending's already there, and we get the nice, pretty bow. We don't like being in that tension. Um, But God's not that way, he doesn't think that way. The tension's not a problem for him. And the process is actually not a problem for him either. But we just have such a hard time with our brokenness. And I was just thinking, you know, he's the God of creation. And don't you know that if he wanted to, he could just erase our brokenness. He could just erase our brokenness if, if, you know, if he wanted to. But instead, he's chosen, this really, you know, sometimes I think about, Lord, your plans, they're definitely higher than mine, but man, sometimes they're hard on me. But he uses our brokenness for his glory. He allows temptation because he believes in us. He allows temptation because he believes in us. We don't even believe in ourselves, he believes in us. He believes we're gonna overcome. He sees more in us than we see in ourselves. That's why he allows it. He's not insecure about who he is. He's not insecure about who we are. And then he shows us, he uses temptation to show, show us the places in ourselves that we need work. And this is, this is kind of what, what he's saying to us. He, he'll show us the areas that we still are struggling in and he'll bring it to light and he'll say hey, I wanna do a great work in that area. I wanna do more than you could ever ask or imagine. I wanna show people, I wanna show the world how great my power is in this area. I wanna show people what I can do with someone who's broken that's committed to me. That's what he wants to do. So that's why he can allow temptation to still be around. Because rather than making us slaves and mindless robots, He banks on the hope that we're gonna choose him and love him. He believes in us. You know, sometimes when I think about temptations, it's like, man, it's just such a drag. But the reason it's around is he believes in us. He looks at you and I, and he believes in us. He actually, he staked his life on it. He died for us before we could even say yes to him. Knowing fully who you and I were, he gave himself to us. He hopes for us, He believes in us, and then we get the opportunity that when we win those battles against those things that just keep beating us up, he gets to say, see, I told you, you're an overcomer, I told you so. Because God doesn't call us and rename us something and say you're a new creation and then not believe it himself. Because sometimes I think we, we look at what the Lord says about us and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know. But really, how does he feel? No, he believes it 100%. God's all in. You're not going to catch him half in on his word. When he says something about you, he means it. He does. He means it. You're not going to catch him like, you know, who would God be if he didn't believe what he said? Right? So let's let's say let's see what he says about us through his word. No. And all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.37. So I just wanna encourage you right now that God looks at you and me with joy. Um, gosh, I'm taking longer than I thought, but I just wanted to, so... Our drummer, our drummer, Brett, he grew up in this church. And uh, man, whenever I'm out here getting to worship and I'm not up here behind the guitar, I get to kinda watch him. And man, I love watching him play drums. And like, he was just, he was a, I mean, gosh, I don't even know how old he was when we, when I started, yeah, he was 11. And just to see him worship, to see him play drums, like, it just makes me proud. And I just got a picture of like, that's, what, that's how God feels about us. You know, we feel like we're just struggling, we just feel like we're kind of like stumbling along, but when we're getting up and we're walking and we're singing to him, when we're showing up to church, when we're loving each other, when we're doing the things, even though we may not be happy with the level we're doing them at, he loves us. He's just so proud of us. And that was just a picture I got earlier. Um, God doesn't look at us and say like, ah, well, we'll see what we can do with this mess. He's like, oh, just wait. Just wait till, I, till the heavens see what I'm going to do with this one. I am going to use this guy to open a can of whoop on the devil. <laughs> That's what he says when he looks at us. So, I want to move on to the first point about how to fight temptation like Jesus. So, the first step temptation. See it for what it is. It's a part of, it's part of the battle, it's a part of a battle, but really, it's an opportunity to win again. It's an opportunity to win again, and that's the way God sees it. We've already won through Jesus, and now we get to walk it out and demonstrate it again. And the enemy wants to use temptation as a weapon to take you out, but God wants to use it to give him another black eye. That's what he wants to do. And when you become a Christian, you just need to know that when you become a Christian, and a Christian that wants to grow and to know Jesus better, you're gonna get messed with. Then he was gonna mess with you. He's not worried about uh, people that are just claiming Christianity but not doing anything in it. He's not scared of people who are sitting in darkness. He's scared of people like you in this room who get up on Sunday mornings and say, hey, I was made to follow Jesus. I'm I'm gonna go get the word. I'm gonna go worship. He's scared of people like you. So, You just gotta know, you gotta see it for what it is. It's a battle, but really what we need to to look at it as is this is an opportunity to win. So the second way that we can fight like Jesus is we can be ready. We can be ready. We know we're gonna get messed with, right? So let's be ready. We can actively change and renew our minds about God and ourselves. We've gotta know who we are, and what we're gonna do when temptation comes. We gotta be ready, because we know it's coming, so what are we gonna do about it? Um, Jesus was ready, and he showed us how to do this. In Matthew four, verse three, the first thing Satan came after before he even suggested what to do, like, hey, turn these stones into bread, the first thing he said was, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, the thing is, is that Jesus knew who he was and then he responded with scripture. But I just wanna get real for a second. If the Son of God had to study and made it a priority to know the Bible, don't you think we should? Because I know a lot of you think like, well, you know, he's Jesus, he just knew it, he is the word, right? Part of him becoming a human, you can look back through the gospels and they'll tell about Jesus as a young age and he's studying scripture. He's going to synagogue. He's putting the work in. He did that. And he did that so that we would know what to do. He did that. In every way, he's become like us. So we need God's word to tell us who we are and to prepare us for living our lives for him. And so like, I mean, just think of it this way. How much more susceptible are we to failing any test or doing like horribly in any situation when we're like, well, I guess I'll do my best. I guess I'll try. You know, if, if, if that temptation comes, if we've got the mindset of like, well, I don't know if I can, here we go again. Probably fail this too, right? That's what we think about ourselves that matters. And so we need to know who we are and we need to be confident in what God says about us. So Jesus responded like this. If you are the son of God, really, devil, yeah. It's not a matter of if, I am the son of God. And then he responds, he said, my father says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What he's saying here is, I'm not living to satisfy my hunger. I'm living for my father. Doing what he says gives me life, not bread. And that's gotta be our same attitude. When those cravings come, when those, I mean, and they're realistic. Our needs are there, but we want to fulfill them in a way that we know is not honoring to God. I'm going to say, like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I am hungry. I do need this. I am worried. But none of that is what made me. God made me. He loves me. None of that loves me. None of that gives me life like God gives me life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So, this leads to my final point on what Jesus has shown us to do and how to fight like Jesus. He stops it in his tracks. He doesn't play around with it. Jesus, Jesus doesn't play, y'all. He doesn't play. Each time the devil tempted him, he says, no, I don't wanna talk about that. I don't wanna talk about what you think I need. I don't wanna talk about what you think I need to do. I wanna tell you about what my father says. I need my father, and I'm gonna do what he says. He says. So in the same way, when the thought or the opportunity presents itself, we don't have to follow it to imagining or entertaining it. We can just stop it right there. Stop it in its tracks. Do whatever you can just to stop it in its tracks. Run to God. Run to his word. That's what Jesus did. He's showing us an example. Hey, I'm gonna refer back to scripture. I'm gonna pray right now. I'm gonna gonna talk about my father. I'm not gonna talk about what I need. I'm gonna talk about him and how good he is. So we can run to God's word. We can run to some of those promises. If we're filling our life with his word, we can run and hold on to those promises. His promise is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, five. That I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not fulfill my cravings. Ephesians 2, 10. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. A lot of you have heard this one. Galatians 2, 20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me, the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me, who loved me. Some of us, we've, we've heard this verse, God is going to supply me with all I need. And then back, the verse we looked at earlier, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, that God promises us a way out. So if we're in the midst of the battle, we can just say, Lord, you, you promised me a way out. Don't entertain those thoughts. Go to God. Hold on to those promises. Shut it down. One of the things I do a lot, and one of the things that's just real easy to do is just, just call it out. Because sometimes we feel like we're like, oh, I'm holding it in. You know, nobody knows. But if we go like, hey, God, I'm struggling with this. I know that you can see it. Help me. Help me, Lord. Show me the way out that you've promised me. Show me the way out. You've promised me a way out. Show me the way out. You can phone a trusted friend, you can just say, hey, I'm struggling with this, pray for me. Ask me how I'm doing tomorrow. Will you you call me tomorrow or call me later tonight and just ask me how I'm doing with this? Make yourself accountable. If there's something that you can eliminate now, do it. Right. If there's some friends' thoughts, you're thinking about like, yeah, I do struggle with that, I do struggle with this, Like that is there. If there's something that you can do about it now, do it. Because that's actually God Giving you a way out right now. He's given you the clarity of mind to make a decision about it now so that you're in the heat of the moment, you're not like, oh, whoops. So do it. If there's something that you can get rid of, is it, is it an app on your phone? It's giving you problems. Get rid of it. Delete it. If there's something in your fridge that's causing you problems. Throw it out. Pour it out. Don't buy it anymore. Is there a person that you need to stop playing with? Block that number. Romans 13, 14 says, make no provisions for the flesh. Don't make it easy for you to get back there. And then, you know, sometimes you gotta set up some guardrails that look different than somebody else's. I don't have Instagram. I don't have a personal Instagram. And I mean, it's almost embarrassing to say, but Like, I've messed up with it too many times. I've looked at stuff I'm just not supposed to look at. And it may be embarrassing to admit that to people. How come you don't have an Instagram? I don't go into depth every time. It's just like, yeah, it's just not for me. Um, But you know, if we want to win, we've gotta have this mindset of like, we'll do whatever it takes. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm not gonna make any provision for the flesh. I'm gonna take no prisoners. And even if that's embarrassing or awkward, oh well. I'd rather obey God. I'd rather set myself up for success and try to make my life look like somebody else's. Because I'm me and I know my weakness. I know my, my brokenness. And that may be what you need to do. Um, so don't play around with it. If there's stuff that you can do, do it. There may be some movies you can't watch anymore, you know? I mean, I live in the uh, VeggieTales and Disney world that's it for me you know like uh all the ma stuff i just i'm just i just don't watch it and that means i'm gonna miss out on stuff there's a lot of movies i i have no clue what anyone's talking about some shows i'm like cool you know but that's what it is that's what submission looks like sometimes we we feel like surrender and submission to jesus is this like i'm just gonna lay down make me your puppet and make me do the things that are pleasing to you god And that's not it. It's the things that the Lord's telling you to do, the things that you know to do, do them even in the face of like, that's uncomfortable. That doesn't really make sense. But when we submit to what he tells us to do, we're saying, hey, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I don't agree with it. I don't have to agree with it. But God, you know more than me and you love me more than anyone else does. So I'm gonna submit. I'm gonna do what you want me to do. So that's what submission looks like. Because the truth is, is if our way worked, we would have already done it. So we can do this because Jesus said we can, right? We We can stand on that alone. We may not feel it right now, but we can just say, we can do this, we can overcome temptation because Jesus said we can, said we can. And we're broken and we're needy, and that's okay. Because in our weakness, he's gonna show himself strong. So with temptation, we just gotta be aware of the enemy's schemes. It's coming after you. It's coming to take you down, all the dreams that God's put in your heart, all the vision, all the the great things God wants to do in your life. It's come to take it down. It's come to make you miserable and marginal. He can't touch your salvation, but it can make you miserable and marginal. And people will say like, well, you're a Christian? Really? You don't wanna be that. It can cause a lot of damage in your life, but God wants us to overcome. God wants to use what the devil means for evil, for our good and his glory. So we just gotta remember that this is a process. We don't just end up there. We don't accidentally just fall into sin. So acknowledge, be on your guard. It's a process. Let's stop it in its tracks. We've gotta look at it for what it is. It's an opportunity to win. If we go into that with the attitude that like, hey, this is an opportunity to win. This is an opportunity for God to get glory. This is an opportunity for me to step closer to God. We win every time we step closer to God, you know that? We win and we've gotta be ready. We gotta be in the word, let's be in the word. Let's be telling ourselves who God is and who we are. Grab those promises and you could stop it in its tracks. Let's just stop. Stop it at the thought and the opportunity. Eliminate those possibilities. Don't make it easy to mess up anymore. Take no prisoners. Make no provision for the flesh. God has asked us to do this, and it's hard, but he's never asked us to do anything he hasn't equipped us for. He's promised to give us everything we need. And he's promised that we can run to him, to his throne of grace, when we're needy, which is all the time. We can just keep running to him. He loves us. He delights in us. And he's excited about every single one of you in this room that when you look at yourself, you see all the reasons God can't use you. And God wants to take those same things and be like, that's why I can. That's why I can use you. You're gonna make a difference in somebody's life because of what you've overcome. You're gonna help, you're gonna help Jesus spank the devil in public with your brokenness because of what he does with people who are committed to him, with people who are submitted to him. So I just wanna encourage y'all. This is what this is about. So I'm gonna pray, because I went over. Um, yes, Lord, we love you. We just thank you, God, that sometimes these truths are not really what we wanna hear. They're not as pleasant as we wish they were, God, but we just thank you, God, that, that you have plans to do great things in our lives, to use us in mighty ways. God, you, you have plans to use us in ways that will change the world will change people, that will change generations. And God, your plan is to use our brokenness. And Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for the way that you have made us. We thank you, Lord, for your plan and your power in Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you've been there and you've done it, you've accomplished it, you've gone before us. You're not a God who doesn't know what we're talking about when we're struggling. We just thank you for who you are, Lord. I just ask that as we go through our week, God, that we would just leave here different than we came in, that this week would be different than the week before, Lord, that we would run to you, that we'd fill ourselves up with your word, with the truth about who who we are in you, God. Not, Not the things that we normally tell ourselves, Lord, but what you say about us, God. Help us, Lord. Empower us, Jesus. We thank you that you're here today. We thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to me. You guys have a great week. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.